Hello, everyone. We're glad you found us and welcome to our podcast at antiqueauctionforum.com. We hope you find this show entertaining and informative. This is Martin, and welcome to our podcast today. I have Rain Haynes in Houston. Hey, Rain, how you doing? Wonderful. Thanks again for having me. Sure. And Rain is a good friend of our guest today, so I'm going to leave it up to you to introduce him. Well, I am completely thrilled to have my very good friend and the senior editor of Antiques and Collectibles Books, Mark Moran, here with us today. Hi, Mark. Thanks Hi. for being our guest. And I'm, I'm happy to be here, and uh, it's, it's always great when we can uh, talk shop, especially with one of my favorite authors. Aw, <laughs> you're so sweet. Well, you are certainly my favorite editor. Then again, <laughs> you're my only editor, so. That's <laughs> funny how that works out. It works out great. You know, Mark, we wanted to, um, to talk with you a little bit today to, you know, kind of get a feel for what new books are going to be coming out on the market and talk a little bit about, you know, your background, how you got started being an editor, were you originally a writer, and, you know, tell us a little bit more about what you do and how you kind of got to, to be the senior editor where you are. Well, sure. Uh, again, thank you for offering me this opportunity to, you know, talk about the business that we all love. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, I, uh, I remember I, I first walked into a, an antique shop uh, back in you know, 1973 uh, at the ripe old age of 20 years old. Mm. So I'm giving that away. Huh. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, it, w the first time you walk in there, you know, it's sort of all kind of spread out before you and, and, and you really don't know what to focus on or don't know what you like or why you like it. But having grown up in, uh, in, a, in a family of artists, both my parents went to art school, I kind of was drawn to, uh, you know, two-dimensional art, paintings, prints, uh, that sort of thing, but very quickly uh, discovered that uh, I really loved American folk art, and, mm. you know, I became uh, a dealer in the 1980s, you know, and I was in group shops, I did lots of shows, and, and, uh, and at the same time, I was a, a newspaper editor, and so... For 30 years, um, I was mixing uh, a love, a growing love of antiques and collectibles with the, with my, uh, you know, my other career as a newspaper man. And, and luckily enough, in the late 90s, uh, I was given the opportunity to start writing antique reference books. And you know, by that time, I had lots of great uh, contacts. Uh, and, and even if I was asked to do a book. And by the way, I've written more than 25 books in, since that time. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah, hmm. I know. I signed a two-year contract to write uh, 12 books, which wow. is basically a book every two months. Oh, my goodness. And Talk I, about churning it out. I can't read yeah. that fast. And, well, Rain will tell you <laughs> that, you know, that is a, a, a pretty steep learning curve. You know, wow. she's done... She's done, you know, great work on books for us. And, and back then, you know, I was just clueless enough to say, okay, yeah, I, I think I can do this. And, uh, 
uh, fortunately, I was able to and, and uh, you know create um, lots of great titles that uh, have sold very well over the years. In uh, in 2005, then uh, after um, uh, you know putting together I think 15 or 16 books, I uh, joined Krause Publications as uh, the producer of the Atlantic City Show in Atlantic City, New Jersey, mm-hmm. and then also was editorial director for our antiques group, working on our magazine, Antique Trader. Uh, you know, that uh, was the next, you know, phase in my career. And then when, in, in 2007, uh, I was recruited by uh, uh, Paul Kennedy, who's the editorial director for our books division, to move from the magazine uh, over to uh, books. And that is where I am today. And... Um, I was uh, lucky enough along the way to uh, meet Lane and to recruit her, and uh, uh, she's one of uh, several great people in the trade who I've been lucky enough to work with on books. I remember, Lane, the first time we spoke, I asked you how to pronounce your name <laughs> because, because uh, I, I, I wanted to make, first I wanted to make a good impression, and second, I wanted to get it right because... Uh, you know, we're all in this together, and Rain has been a great resource, not just for uh, 20th century decorative arts and glass, and, uh, you know, she really gives of herself to this business. So I've mm-hmm. been very lucky to work with uh, with her over the years. Well, we're lucky. I'm so incredibly thankful that this is radio and not television, because you would be able to, I'm sure you can probably feel the heat radiating off, radiating off my cheeks at this, at this very moment. You know, I, I had absolutely no idea that your parents were artists. I didn't know that that was what your inspiration was. So I was very curious to hear what your answer was going to be today. But And I didn't know that it was going to be that. And I see that your brother is an artist as well. So this is like something that really runs in your family. Ab- absolutely. And we, we come from a, a family of printers. And as you mentioned, my, my brother uh, has a display of uh, his uh, woodblock prints, uh, you know, on exhibit right now at the Gutenberg really? Museum in wow. Germany. And so, I saw the pictures on your Facebook, and I thought they were really fabulous. Yeah, yeah, they're very, they're very cool. Yeah, he's very cool. It must be cool to have a brother that's an artist too. Mm-hmm. Yep. What? Uh, let me ask you this: You were talking about uh, remembering the the first when you wrote your first book. What what was the subject of your first antique the, book? The very very first book that I ever did, and that was back in oh my gosh, I think it was nineteen ninety nine. Was on uh, furniture, and uh, I was. It was an update for a, a furniture guide that um, uh, Krause Publications had had for several years, and uh, I had a good friend, uh, Greg Cowles, who is now associated with the uh, St. Charles branch of New Orleans Auction Gallery. Uh, mm-hmm. who had tremendous knowledge and also had a great photo archive. And as you know, you know, the, it's, it, every picture tells a story, and, and they want lots and lots of great pictures in these books. So uh, Greg and I spent weekends at his home in uh, Winona, Minnesota, going through hundreds and hundreds of photos, and he would talk to me about the, the, the type of furniture it was and the, the era and the stylistic points and then the, a value range. And even though I, uh, you know, was an established antique dealer at that time, uh, it's just, it, 
it, it's the collaborative effort of creating something like that is uh, so great and so important because every day, and, and Rain and I have talked about this many times, you know, uh, you can only ever know one tiny little segment of, of any, you know, corner of the antiques and collectibles world. Yes. And so every time I get an opportunity to learn, which is every day, uh, it, it really makes this job much more fulfilling. I, I agree. Absolutely. Um, you said you, uh, you collect or enjoy folk art, and that's uh, one of the things I really appreciate and I'm a fan of. That's interesting. Um, and also furniture um, is kind of my back, one of my main background, American period furniture. Can you go over some of the uh, books? I'm very curious on the other subjects you've written on. Oh, sure. Uh, you know what? And if I had had uh, anticipated this a little bit better, I, uh, I would have, um, you know, put the list together, but, uh, and, and had it, you know, fresh at my fingertips. <laughs> I think I can still do that. Um, but in addition to the furniture, the, the first three books, there was metalware uh, and also a clocks book. And uh, I found that you know, at that point I was able to, even if I didn't have the specific knowledge that I needed for, you know, the category, um, I was still able to get in touch with, um, you know, lots of great people uh, from, you know, who would help, you know, give me, you know, resource information. Other titles include Oriental Antiques. Wow. Um, of course, my annual, which is the 800-page Warman's Guide. Uh, we just sent the uh, 45th edition to the printer wow. uh, a yeah. month or so ago. It, that will be out in March. Other books have included uh, Fenton Glass, uh, Majelica Pottery, mm. um, Arts and Crafts Furniture, wow. uh, Country Antiques, which, you know, as, as, as we know, is, is not quite as hot a category as yes. it used to be. But, mm -hmm. but you know, uh, back in the day, that was, uh, that was also a, a big seller. So hot back in the 80s. Yeah. Oh, yes, mm. absolutely. And, uh, and even before anyone knew what, what shabby chic meant, I think, you know, that, <laughs> I always love that word, shabby chic. It just sounds cool, doesn't it? It does. It does. You know, country country was huge. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Also, uh, Fiesta Ware. I uh, did a book on gas station collectibles, wow. McCoy pottery, Red Wing pottery, Roseville pottery, uh, really? wow. cookie jars, Lalique glass. Uh, I know that's a that's a, you know one of uh, Rain's favorites. Uh, oh yeah. Sterling flatware, dolls, salt and pepper shakers. It's just it's an embarrassment of riches when I <laughs> I see I wouldn't say embarrassment of riches I completely I mean that's just like that's so impressive the list and and such a variety to well, me yeah. I mean yeah. you're, you're all over the board but I mean that's what this business is about I mean usually you're not somebody that just likes one thing you know usually you like a variety of different things and somehow some way they may not seem to connect but they usually do Yep. No, that's absolutely true. And and as you know, Rain, uh, you get to a point in in your you know uh, antiques and collectibles life where all of that accumulated knowledge serves you so well. Mm -hmm. Even if it's mm -hmm. a category that you may not be intimately familiar with, by that time you have trained your eye yes. to spot mm -hmm. you know form and surface mm -hmm. and proportion and color mm -hmm. and. You, you very quickly learn the you know to separate the, the the very best items 
from the, the middling or the mediocre. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's, mm-hmm. I think that's all of our goals. That's right. Yeah. Um, I remember looking at what I called the old timers at the auctions and just was enamored by their knowledge and, you know, what they would buy and, and why they would buy it. And um, now I've gotten there. <laughs> I'm the old timer <laughs> at the auction. <laughs> Exactly. And, you know, it's funny because um, it, it's not like you can go, you know, to college and get a degree in, uh, you know, Antiques 101. Right. Uh, yeah. you know, it's funny because people ask me that all the time. Where did oh, you go yeah, to school to yeah. learn this? And it's like there is no such thing. No, no. I mean, you can study art history. You can study decorative arts. Mm-hmm. You can study, you know, uh, various, you know, kind of subcategories. But the only way to to really understand the business and to know the business is to do it, right. to right. to make mistakes, learn yes. from your mistakes, uh-huh. uh, and uh, always try and upgrade. You know, uh, building a great collection of, of anything, you know, fill in the blank, is not about accumulation. It's about constantly upgrading. Refining. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Don't you think that you kind of have to have an eye to begin with? to you know and an interest in that kind of thing and i and i don't think that's something you could just choose to do i think it's something that you're born with a lot of people that you know that are collectors we may not collect the same thing but we we all have that 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 component that's inside of us that drives us to want to learn more to want to go out and find more to to collect more i mean and then there's other people who don't have that component that weren't born with that that look at us like we have three heads like you know like we're weird or something no you're but i i I think that all of that there's there's something and i don't know exactly what it is but that there's something in you that causes you know for you to i I don't know that drives you something that you're just born with that drives you to to have that kind of interest in 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 this industry and, and I also think that that really goes back to what we were talking about, about training your eye, because right. I know today I'll see something in a shop or online or at an antique show that 20 years ago I would have bought, uh, right. as, as, you know, a, a dealer, you know, to buy for resale or, or to buy for myself. Uh, and, and now, because my eye is more educated, more trained, more disciplined. I think that's the one thing that that people who are you know collecting um, need to have is discipline to right. make sure that you are constantly upgrading and buying the best example that you can afford. You know, uh, dealers are, are always uh, you know quick to say buy what you like. You know, don't mm-hmm. buy an investment, but right. that's only because you know. To dealers, this is a business. They, you know, they may have come to it from uh, you know, the uh, standpoint of being passionate about the specific collecting area. But they very quickly have to learn about marketing, about uh, you know, contacts, you know, keeping in touch with your client base, uh, that sort of thing. And uh, it's, it's, any collector can learn from that. Any collector of, of anything can uh, discover. Very quickly, you know, uh, that to it, it's really it's not about accumulation, it's not about quantity, it's about quality. Right. Sure, quality yeah. versus quantity all day long. Um, there are people out there that are what I call gatherers, and those uh, you know they never refine their collection. They just they're hoarders or gatherers. I'm not sure exactly 
mm-hmm. what that gene is. But uh, <laughs> it's funny when you you've been in the business as long as we both have, and you walk into a home, you can instantly tell whether they're a collector or a gatherer if they have mm-hmm. a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely, and you know that also goes to the point when people come to us for appraisal advice. Uh, you know, they they have been accumulating objects, but not with an eye towards towards quality. Mm-hmm. They have they may or are not in a category that uh, you know is more likely than not to. Um, be a good investment. Uh, you know, contemporary collectibles, I think, is a classic example of this. You know, there are so many uh, pieces that have been made as collectible. And I, I try and tell people that when you buy something that is a new collectible, you probably will have to wait an entire lifetime before you realize, <laughs> you know, get, get its value back. And, and there are, you know, specific categories that, you know, we don't need to go into here uh but uh well there is i i have to argue one exception to that okay okay and that is um there are some contemporary uh pieces furniture things like that that are are worth a fortune right off the bat and are hanging on to their value oh yeah you know that that's the only exception i can think of but i do agree with the rest of that yeah, no, no. Some of the auction houses I've seen lately have um, created um, 21st century design yeah. auctions. And when I, I mean, I don't know anything about those artists, but I always get the catalogs and I look at some of the money, you know, some of the estimates and some of the money that, that some of this, you know, these 21st century artists are bringing and it's mind boggling. It, it is mind boggling. And I, and I think that that, that goes to um, another point where although it, it's something that is absolutely contemporary, it could have been made within the last, you know, 10 years, it, mm-hmm. it, good design is good design. Mm-hmm. Whether You're right. That's was, true. Yeah. Whether it was made two, you know, centuries ago or two weeks ago, if it right. has a strong graphic, a strong design component, uh, it is more likely that it will continue to appreciate its value. And I think your point is very well taken about, uh, uh, you know, especially contemporary arts. Fabulous glassware is being made. Mm-hmm. The studio pottery that's being made in this country right now, much of it, is just phenomenal. And mm-hmm. it's selling for very good money. Things made since 2000. Uh, right. So I think those are just two categories uh, where there is uh, great value to be found. Right, right. And um, when you, you, you wrote on such a diverse selection, so would you consider yourself a generalist? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And I think that, that that's also a, a great challenge when you know, we do appraisal events, you know, whether it's for, you know, the local, you know, historical society. Uh, we, we, I do one here every year for Milwaukee Public Television. Uh, and... You really don't know how much you know until someone presents you with a challenge. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. so, and, and being a generalist, you get everything. You know, from from uh, you know ceramic, uh, you know uh, pottery to typewriters to <laughs> you know ice skates to you know uh, all sorts of things. And you have to approach each of them, you know, in a in a slightly different way, but 
again, you're drawing on all those years of, of accumulated knowledge right. to you know try and share you know uh, with with the collector what it is that they have, what is it, what it's worth. That's what they want to know. That's right. I did an appraisal clinic once a week for five years, and uh, I'm a generalist too. And boy, I'll tell you, I, I actually love being stumped. You know, I love I love seeing something that I have absolutely no idea what it is. Yep. Well, it just goes to show you that you don't know everything. You it's know. exciting. It's, co- it's totally exciting. I'm sure it's not exciting for the people who've brought it in for you to tell them what they have. But for for you, you know, it just goes to show you you have not seen everything. Yeah, and and it's it's a constant learning process, and mm-hmm. you know, a filtering of all that information and, and connecting the dots. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. whether it's you know by era by style, mm-hmm. by uh, media, you know, whether you uh, it's metalware, glass, ceramics, wood, whatever, uh, you begin to see common elements in the best of those things. And when you do get stumped, uh, I, I absolutely agree. Although the, the, the challenge, you know, it, it, it's hard to say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but as, <laughs> there are times when you have to, to do that and say, look, we need to take more time to explore this right. category or this piece, yes. and uh, you know, people think we you know, pull all this information out of the air. And, uh, but you know what? Too. It kind of lends back to what you were saying a few minutes ago. You may not know who made it, but because of the shape, because of the medium, because of the colors, you can you can narrow it down to a time period. You can tell them whether it's American or European. You can tell them whether it was commercially produced or something that was handmade. You know, there, there are things, because of your experience in other things, that, that will be able to tell them something about what they have, have placed in front of you at that moment. But, uh, but yeah, you know, it's, <laughs> you know there's, there's a lot of hidden knowledge or, or stored knowledge in your head, and sometimes I think, wow, what would happen if we got called on to, like, Jeopardy or, or you know, one of those kinds of <laughs> game shows where you have to have all this random knowledge, and we certainly have it, but... Uh, it's also very personal, you know, because yeah. you're informed by by the way you grew up. In, in Rain's case, you know, she was uh, drawn to glass and, and mm-hmm. has it's such a you know a strong background in that category. Category. In, in my case, it was uh, folk art and fine art, mm-hmm. and you know, a general Americana. And uh, so, uh, I think we bring a, a lot of our, ourselves to you know to any kind of, uh, you know, appraisal uh, event or moment or, you know, when, when we have to, uh, you know, share our knowledge. But the other thing, too, is that it's so much easier today to very quickly track things down. Sure, you know, the, right. The Internet, many people, you know, bemoan the impact of the Internet on the antiques and collectibles trade. And, and its, its impact has been profound, but it also allows for much faster and much more in-depth research that, you know, 15, 20 years ago might have taken us weeks or months to track down exactly. this information. And while we're on this subject, how do you think the Internet has affected what you do as far as um, the books from your company? I mean, do you, has that changed? Oh, yes, uh, dramatically. Uh, you know, especially from the standpoint of a, a generational shift. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. there are... The, the, the challenge for uh, the, the, the creation of books about antiques and collectibles has become one of uh, making them interactive, making e-books, 
you know, allowing for, you know, uh, creating books that can be downloaded, that can be updated, that include videos, that include links to other sites, you know, and, you know, that's something that we're you know, actively working on, which is not to take away, you know, from the fact that, you know, a, a good uh, general book like the one I edit, like Warman's Antiques and Collectibles, 800 pages, uh, you know, which Rain has contributed to. Every year when I work on that book, I, I, I look for fresh categories uh, that may or may not, they may be new categories, established categories, they may be emerging categories. You know, in the most recent edition that will be coming out in March, we'll have um, categories on as diverse as West German art pottery, which is Sweet. something, yeah, from the 50s. Yeah, I collect that. That's sweet. It, it's, it's, it's wonderful stuff, but still, it's a, a very overlooked category, right? Mm-hmm. You can still buy things there very, very reasonably. Um, mm-hmm. Another category, to show you the contrast, uh, a, a gentleman in, uh, in L.A., a wonderful writer, Andrew Myers, is writing about uh, 18th and 19th century uh, French continental furniture. Uh, oh, cool. Which, which is, I think... Uh, uh, something that has been long established, but people are looking at this from a design standpoint now. They're not building a whole room full of this, you know, wonderful furniture, but they might be using it as an accent piece. That's how he right. uh, treats it. You know, we also have uh, categories on uh, costume jewelry. You know, how has the market for costume jewelry changed? Uh, signed pieces are the best. Unsigned, anonymous pieces are not as strong a category right now. So that's just, you know, three examples of, uh, uh, of uh, you know, different categories. Another wonderful category, vernacular photography. Now, this is not a term that people may be immediately familiar with, but it, uh, another way of thinking is, about it is that it's the snapshot, the, American, the great American snapshot. Uh, you know, the, the, the images of amateur photographers have become a huge collecting area. Uh, and I think that if you go to any of the online auction sites that include vintage photography, and, and I mean, it doesn't have to be the, the, the daguerreotypes and the ambrotypes and, 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 you know, the very early, the, the 19th century images. You know, some of these great photos are coming from the, the, the 1940s, 50s, 60s, even the 70s. And it's really, again, more about form and proportion and humor uh, mm-hmm. The one thing that great folk art often has in common is the, the humorous element that its creators included. And, and vernacular photography and wonderful snapshots also have a lot of those images. Hmm. Mark, do you go to Art Basel? Yes. There's a, a couple of years ago at the show in Miami, there was a, an artist who had um, a, a booth there, and all of his, his works were Polaroid images. And, uh, and it, was, it was really very interesting. And, and what he was known for doing was going backstage or on the set of films and uh, you know, backstage at concerts and stuff like that and taking a Polaroid, real, very random, not posed shots of celebrities. And, uh, and he put these out, uh, all out on display in a booth and, and, and people just swarmed. I mean, they, they really, really, really loved it. 
and and I thought it was I thought it was very interesting. But you know, essentially, what he was showing is that he was capturing these very private moments of people. He, you know, with something as simple, you know, as a Polaroid, but even with the Polaroid, he was capturing these very private, sometimes very emotion-filled images. And, uh, and yeah, essentially, you know, he's not somebody who has one of these, you know, five ten thousand $10,000 cameras. It's simply just a Polaroid. Exactly. And, you know, to that very point, and if I may put in a plug here for a oh, blog sure. that I found recently. Uh, hmm. Is that all right, Martin? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, there was a, a woman named Vivian Meyer, M-A-I-E-R, who was, uh, as she's now known, a street photographer in Chicago in the 1940s, I think, uh, through the 70s. Uh, she, her collection of images might have been lost had it not been for an auction where someone bought this box which contains, and this is not an exaggeration, more than a hundred thousand negatives that this woman wow. took over the years. She would walk the streets of Chicago, take all these uh, amazing, candid shots of uh, you know the, the everyday life, life in the city, the interesting people, some of the not so interesting people. Uh, <laughs> and her work was almost lost forever, except for the the happy circumstance that these pictures were found by someone who appreciated them and are, are now uh, sharing them with the world. If you do a search for Vivian Meyer, M-A-I-E-R, you will find a, a blog that has hundreds of these images. And apparently they're doing a documentary film about her. Uh, but hmm. this is the kind of thing, to that very point, it's, you know, she would walk the street. She didn't have a, a fancy camera. She had a, she had a, the old-fashioned where you look down through the top and get the... Reflective lens. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, you know, uh, it's a wonderful story, and uh, I hope that our, our listeners will take the time to follow up on this because I know they'll find some amazing images. Hmm. Hmm. Now, getting back to um, the books, if we could just for a moment. Sure. Um, how, how many Warmans are published per year? Well, uh, there are... Uh, Several categories. Uh, oh, right. Yes. In specific collecting areas, you know, there is the the Warman's Antiques and Collectibles Guide. There are also the, a series of Warman's Field Guides, and uh, Rain is intimately familiar with the <laughs> Field Guide series, having just written and uh, it's just going to be published uh, or available any day. A wonderful field guide on uh, vintage wristwatches. Mm -hmm. The second edition, oh wow, uh, just just coming out now, and these are these are small books, about four and a half by five and a half inches. They have uh, 512 pages. Wonderful, uh, you know, overview of, of wristwatches. I mean, because it's the second edition, the first edition dealt mainly with pocket watches, and as Rain knows, that is not as strong a category mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. Wristwatches is. Yes. So I was I was thrilled to be able to uh, uh, get uh, Rain's input on this, and this is a sequel to Rain's uh, first book and, uh, for us, and a wonderful book of vintage wristwatches, big glossy, you know, uh, uh, fabulous book, uh, selling very well in Finland, I understand. Did you see that it got picked up by the uh, San Jose Mercury News for December? It was written up in there. Somebody just brought that to my attention. 
Yeah, somebody just brought that to my attention. A, a friend of mine who happened to come across it who didn't know that I wrote the book emailed me a link to um, the online of the print edition. And uh, he said, you know, I didn't, I didn't know you wrote this book, but here it was. You know, congratulations on your new book. And I thought, wow, is that pocket guide out? And I don't know it. <laughs> and I, I went and looked. I'm like, oh, wait, that's my big book. <laughs> Anyways, I, I had no idea. But, yeah, they wrote up something very nice about it in, uh, in their book reviews. And it deserves, it, it deserves all the great attention that it's been getting. In, in addition, the, the other field guides that we do, I mean, there's they're myriad. Uh, uh, there's a wonderful shoes field guide by our mutual friend Caroline Ashley that's out there. There's a book on antique bottles, um, hmm. you know, the costume jewelry, uh, lunch boxes. Uh, this is a whole series of books that we've been doing for years that have been uh, very, very popular. Mark, I'm sure you probably know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask anyways. Why is it called Why is it called Warmans? Where did the name come from? Great question. And you know, uh, some people wonder if that's just a uh, you know uh, something that got cooked up over time. But a gentleman named E. G. Warman, who lived in Pennsylvania, started a publishing company uh, when uh, he was a he was a, a collector and a dealer, and people were always coming to him wanting to know. Uh, you know what their you know things were worth. So he started back in, uh, I believe it was 1948. He came out wow. with a little uh, booklet, Antiques and Their Prices, and, <laughs> and uh, that grew over the years. He started his own publishing company, and uh, eventually, uh, you know, it the book grew and grew in size, and uh, over the years it has just had many, many editors, of which I am fortunate to be the latest. And um, so the our, my company, Krause Publications, acquired the Warman's brand, oh, about 15 years ago, I think. And I think we really helped to revive it. And so it all started with a gentleman named E.G. Warman. I have always wondered that. I was just wondering, I, 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 you know, because it, it didn't link to Krause and it, F and W Media. I'm like, where did that, where did that come from? Because it's, it's got this, you know, very long-standing name, kind of like Covell's and you know, and others. And I was like, I, I was wondering, I was wondering if at some point in time there was a gentleman with the name of Warman who had originally founded Krause, or what, what was the, what was the connection? So, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it came to us, you know, in an acquisition with the, uh, I believe it was the Wallace Homestead line, which is a very which, you know, 30 or so years ago was a, a very well-known uh, uh, series of books on antiques and collectibles. And uh, so that's, that's where it came from. If, if someone is looking for, say, your, a series of recent um, reference books um, that, have, uh, that are up, is there a certain website they can go to? Absolutely. There are... Uh, KrauseBooks.com, and again, that's spelled K-R-A-U-S-E. It's just like Kraus, but they pronounce it Krause, so it's KrauseBooks.com. They can also go to Collect.com, and of course, you know, the, the books are available on Amazon, uh, at Barnes & Noble, Borders, uh, at a bookstore near you, huh? <laughs> as we like to say. Wow, that was good. They're everywhere. Yep. <laughs> The books that you know about that you have coming out this year, what is the subject, the, like the newest kind of book, not something that 
we're revisiting like a, a watch or pocket watch book or, or something, what is a new title that you have um, that you, you that you think is going to uh, be very exciting to collectors, something that they hadn't seen before? I liked the photography. I liked when you were telling us about uh, the, the chapter for the book on, on photography, but is there any standalone book that's kind of new and and in uh, an exciting category we haven't seen before? Well, there are there are several that are um, actually not directly related to antiques and collectibles, but are still great consumer uh, reference books. Uh, the one that comes to mind, because I'm finishing it up right now, is a, a book called Great Wines Under $20. <laughs> nice. And, uh, although these the wines in this book are meant to be uh, drunk and enjoyed immediately. Uh, it's still a great uh, guide for learning about uh, you know, buying wines. It's written by our friend Elise Luray. Um, mm. and it's going to be coming out in May. And mm-hmm. it, this is a kind of a function of you know, the, the changing landscape for you know, our publishing company where we are kind of branching out into new categories, but it's still a buyer's guide in, mm-hmm. in that, in, in that you know, that's the thing that it has in common, but it's going to be a wonderful book, it's going to be, have you know, food pairings, and you know, it's going to be the kind of thing where um, you know, when you're traveling across the country, no matter where you are, pull this book out after you've spent a day at, you know, rummaging through an antique show or an antique market. And get yourself a good bottle of wine and mm-hmm. relax. <laughs> I can't imagine anybody would enjoy a book like that. <laughs> no. 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 Wine? No, not me. <laughs> now, now I'm a little confused. Are you talking about, like, vintage wines? No. No, you're talking about everyday wine. I mean, yeah. everyday Absolutely. wines that you can buy. Absolutely, okay. yes. Mm-hmm. Wines that are available all over the country, uh, but... Uh, we have put together 200 of them, 100 reds, 100 whites that we think are uh, the best sort of thing. Now, this is not from an investment standpoint. You know, it's not that they can start collecting wines, but they can start collecting a lot of good knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's been such a pleasure, Mark, and I feel like we could uh, talk for uh, hours. <laughs> <laughs> I, I absolutely agree, and I, I just want to say... Uh, thank you, Martin and Rain, for, for bringing me into this conversation. And to all the listeners uh, uh, out there, remember that we are all in this together. Yeah. So support your fellow collectors, you know, and keep learning. Great. I always love it when you say that. That's such a great saying. We're all in this together. We are. That's really great. All right. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. This is Martin Willis with Rain Haynes and Mark Morin, and we're all signing off. website antiqueauctionforum.com please stop by the forum message board click on the community tab at the top of the menu bar and you can join in on a topic post your own website links and do a lot more thanks so much for listening and we hope you enjoyed today's show